and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. What is the first book to be written in the New Testament? If you said Matthew because it was first, that's not the answer. The answer actually is a little book near the end of the New Testament, the book of James. James was written by the half-brother of Jesus, and it was written somewhere between the years of 44 and 49 A.D. So it was the first book of the New Testament canon. Now, James was written to Jewish believers who had been scattered by persecution. James chapter 1 verse 1 says, James, a bondservant of God, isn't it interesting, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't say James, a half-brother of Jesus, kind of throwing his weight around, you know, uh, I, but he rather called himself a bondservant, uh, a slave, someone that had been uh, given over to, to the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. And so, the, the 12 tribes, just referring again to Jewish believers, uh, part of the diaspora, uh, part of those who had been uh, scattered, as I said, by persecution. If you look in Acts chapter 7 and the first part of chapter 8, you'll see that great persecution had started there in Jerusalem against the church, and uh, Stephen the first recorded martyr had been stoned to death while Saul, who became Paul, looked on and held the garments of those that were casting the stones. And then the uh, first part of uh, chapter 8 talks about Saul leading a great persecution and they were scattered. Uh, the believers at Jerusalem were scattered out of Jerusalem. And then if you go on over to Acts chapter 12, you'll see that Herod, uh, instituted some persecution against the church. And James, the brother of John, Peter, James, and John, James, the brother of John, was killed with the sword by uh, Herod. And, and when Herod saw that that pleased the, the Jewish religious bunch, he also arrested Peter. And Peter was put in prison, and of course, uh, God miraculously delivered him. But it was during this these times of persecution that, that Jewish believers were scattered. And so James is writing, in this first book of the New Testament, James is writing to these believers to talk to them about living wisely in a wicked world, living in a world where there is a hostile environment. And so how do followers of Christ live in a, in, a, uh, in a hostile environment, in a wicked world? Well, uh, wisdom, wisdom is the key. In verse 5, we are told, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, what does that mean, wisdom? Well, the Greek word here, and, and the, the New Testament was originally written in something called Koine Greek, so the Greek word is Sophia, believe it or not. Uh, you've probably uh, heard of or known some uh, uh, women that were named Sophia. That literally means wisdom. And Vine's Expository Dictionary of Greek Words says that Sophia is basically insight into the true nature of things. 
insight into the true nature of things. And so when you put it in this context here, simplified, it's it's just, it is seeing things from God's perspective. It's insight into the true nature of things. It's seeing things for what they really are from God's perspective. And so if we're going to live with wisdom in a wicked world, we're going to be looking at things from God's perspective, seeing beyond what you uh, would naturally normally see. You know, when you look around, you see things really bad or coming against you or falling apart. Uh, We think of them from a human perspective, but when we ask God for wisdom, insight into the true nature of things, when we see things from God's perspective, we have wisdom. Now, the book of James has been said to be the New Testament version of the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And I will direct our attention to Proverbs chapter 1, the very first seven verses of of that book. And this is good. So listen. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So Solomon wrote this book, most of it. And it says, To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Do you notice he says they already have have understanding and they're smart enough to keep on acquiring wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure the words of the wise and their riddles the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction and so here uh, the, the book of proverbs begins and it and it lifts up the importance of getting wisdom do you notice that, that God puts a high premium on wisdom, on seeing things from His perspective. Listen to what the first six verses of the second chapter of Proverbs says. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Oh my goodness. Seeing things from God's perspective. Listen to these words that I caught from those verses. Receive. Treasure. Make attentive. Incline. Cry for. Lift your voice for. Seek. Search. All of those things in regards to wisdom, in regards to getting God's perspective. Will you receive His words? Will you treasure them? Will you make yourself attentive to them? Will you incline yourself toward God's words? Will you cry for or lift up your voice for? That's praying for wisdom. Will you seek it? uh, and, And it says, seek it as silver and search for it as hidden treasures. God's perspective is worthy of all of that. And then, do you notice the result that comes from that uh, here, right here in this verse? It says, then you will discern, you will discern the fear of the Lord. Then you will discover the knowledge of, of, of God. So, 
the result is you will get, you will discern what God has for you. You'll discover what God knows uh, and see God's perspective. And then it goes on to say, because the Lord gives. You know, when you seek and search and cry for the Lord gives. That's the result right there in in Proverbs chapter two, and and it goes on. And I, I don't have time on this in, on this uh, podcast to to uh, uh, go through the rest of that chapter. But I would encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter two if you are wanting to see things from God's perspective. Look at Proverbs chapter two and see how important it is and how God will respond to that. Now, back in James chapter 1, the Proverbs of the New Testament, uh, he gives us the reality of, of a hostile environment. We live in a wicked world. We live in a hostile environment. And the people to whom he was writing, they knew that. Chapter 1, verse 2 of James, the first part of verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. When you encounter various trials. We're told multiple times in the Word of God, particularly in the New Testament, that this world is hostile. This world system is hostile to the followers of Christ. Uh, we shouldn't be caught off guard. Do not be surprised, my brethren, uh, when fire trials come. That's what Peter said in his writings. Don't be surprised. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. Why do we as believers get all bent out of shape when we see around us here in the West, here in the United States, as it seems like uh, the, the, the laws of our land even are moving toward hostility toward God's people? Why are we surprised by that? Why are we caught off guard by that? The truth is, over the last 2,000 years plus, since Jesus ascended back to earth, there's been plenty of trouble for true believers. We are not a part of the system of this world. We're not a part of the culture of this world, of the directionist world. We are countercultural. We are walking upstream. We are different, and Jesus makes that very, very clear. We live in a hostile environment, and, and that is just the truth. That's the reality. So, uh, the, la- the next part of that verse, verse 2, gives us the result that ought to come to Christ's followers from trials. Okay, consider it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So, if we approach this world uh, the way the Lord wants us to, this world system, realizing that we are just pilgrims and strangers. We're sojourners. We're temporary residents of this earth on our way to our permanent home in heaven. And we realize that this world is hostile to us. And why? Because of Jesus. Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. They hate us. They hate Jesus. You know, other religious so-called uh, leaders of so-called religions, uh, they are given s- uh, some respect, so to speak. But Jesus, not so much. Uh, They hate us because they hate Jesus. And so here it is. The result that should come to Christ's followers from trials is that we are matured and we uh, we continue to become more like Jesus, complete in Jesus, lacking nothing. But how does all of that come? Verse 5, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. 
Let him ask. The ask. We got to ask. Ask there is a present imperative verb. Uh, uh, imperative is a command. Present means it's an ongoing action. In other words, if we keep on asking, just keep asking, make it a lifestyle to always be asking and seeking the wisdom of Almighty God. Always ask and seek the wisdom of Almighty God. It, it, it is something that, that, again, should be a part of our ongoing way of living. Um, and this word ask, it focuses on the thing being given. We're asking for wisdom. Wisdom is the key. God's wisdom. And we are told that we are to ask in faith without doubting. Doubting and not being double-minded in verse 7. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What does that mean? A double-minded man is on the fence between God's way and the world's way. Uh, you know, just kind of trying to live it both ways. And you cannot do that. God said you've got to ask for seeing things from God's perspective in faith not doubting, uh, in, in other words, not go, trying to have it both ways. You see, it's normal for uh, us believers to have a doubt once in a while, okay? Uh, it's not saying that you can never, ever have a, a doubt. Satan will come at us and attack us with doubt, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that we would not try to have it both ways, but we ask in faith for wisdom from God so that we can live in a wise way in this wicked world. And the great news is in verse 5, the last part of verse, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without approach. In other words, he won't smack our hands for asking. God wants us to come and keep on asking for wisdom. And wisdom is found in his precious word. The Holy Spirit will teach us and open up the word, if we'll open it, our hearts to it, God will give us His wisdom and He'll give it to us generously. Well, I hope that this uh, few moments in this podcast has encouraged you to turn to the Word of God and to turn to the God of the Word and ask Him to help you to see things in this wicked world from His perspective. Well, until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.